let's start. Beeble Beeble, thank you, thank you once again. As you know, my name is Amanda Clark, and thank you for tuning in to Mind Matters, where we discuss various mental health prognosis, psychological theories, and much more. It's a discussion, it's a safe space, so feel free to give your opinion and to just listen in, see what relates, and where can we go from here, what can we do to improve our society. This is a show intended to bring awareness, most of all, and also we do hope to bring that awareness factor so something that can be materialized for greatness. So this is only a starting point. Today we're discussing DMs. And no people know I do not mean direct messaging. Okay? So I will not be sliding in your DMs. We're not talking about sliding in someone's DMs and you know giving our thirsty thirsty tweets or thirsty messaging. Not that's not what it's about. This week we are talking about defense mechanisms. Yes defense mechanisms what are they well it's a theory that was materialized by a great philosopher as well as a neurologist sigmund freud is one of the creme de la creme however some of his theories have been debugged because it's not able to be proven 100 percent however there are still certain things and elements from his theories, his philosophies that have been used over time because they see where there are certain things that align and you can see based on experience and proof. Emotion is not something that is very predictable, so the no, there is not a known science for it. However, there are things that can be tested and proven over time. Sigmund Freud thought of defense mechanisms that individuals had and of course you know he birthed the idea and his daughter perfected it his daughter was Anna Freud and we'll touch more on them in coming episodes however the main factor is defense mechanisms it's the things we do to as it said as it states to defend ourselves so it's a case where when caught up in any traumatic, emotional, or stressful situation, it's the things that we do to cope. How, how best we manage and maintain this situation. So, coping mechanisms, defense mechanism, it's, it's vice versa. So, whether you, you consider it coping, then sure. I just want to ensure that you all have an understanding of what it is. And it's pretty basic too. So let's get into it. Uh, defense mechanisms are something that have a long list because as you know, Sigmund Freud was from many, many centuries, years ago. And some of the theories that he had were, you know, a bit outdated and have been soon after perfected added to adjusted you know how it goes with getting an original formula and changing it as time and centuries go along so there are certain things that 
certain defense mechanisms that have been added to the list and the line is quite long with these things however i will be touching on five of them today yes five this is a part one of a part two episode scenario for defense mechanisms as it's something we definitely need to discuss it will be something that you i'm sure you'll be able to relate and let's get into it the breeze is flowing nice today we've had some rain however uh you might just hear a bit of wind in the background i'll try my best to limit that this is one of the quieter spaces that i've been in and i'm trying to ensure that we manage the noise level apologies if you hear too much wind but let's use it to our advantage in providing some soothing nature right because as we said we are discussing defense mechanisms so you know the breeze can help cool down this coping strategy all right let's get into it first up and this is by far my favorite to notice after my first time doing principles of psychology i definitely there doing any psychological course or subject matter degree it allows you an insight into the human mind and it also allows you to think differently because there are there's new information presented to you new information that you can actually use to be mindful and aware of what exactly is going on around you so displacement was my first go-to thing to notice about myself and others around me so displacement basically if we're giving you the technical de definition is a person that directs well redirects a negative emotion from its original source to a less threatening target and i say target because it is a target when you are redirecting negativity towards somebody else that it's oftentimes uncalled for so I would say the common example for this one is you're at work and your boss does something that irritates you however and sometimes they shout at you and you know they give you this demeaning response or demeaning um conversation and it's like but wait this man easy all right who the who the man them know who me is them know who me be but you can't say that to your boss can you you cannot and even if you're self-employed you'll have customers that will try and try and try again and test your patience trust me i don't know if it's tests but jesus the tests are real if you are self-employed and you've had to deal with difficult customers they will work on your patience and deep down inside you wish that you could let off on them however you must understand that you can't in the scenario where it's your boss you know if you communicate a certain way you can lose your job that's very threatening to you 
that is very threatening to your finance and your source of income. It does put you up for a bit. And if it's a case where it's a customer, it does provide you with a bad reputation as a self-employed individual. So sometimes we keep those in. We keep that in and we take it. We take it. But that anger, that release is still there knocking at the door wanting to come out. So you know what happens. Someone else, some poor individual, whether it is when you go home and your child says, Mommy, I left my lunch kit at school. I went back for it and it wasn't there. Or if it's that your husband that said, Hey, you know, I better not. I bought some cash pot tickets today and lose about four run. Or if it's your friend that borrowed your DVD player, I don't know who still uses that, from way back when, and comes to you and say, you know, um, you look like the thing you mash up still. Or probably, I've given multiple, or probably your stepson uses your washing machine your good good up washing machine and something is broken off of it and you just notice that that anger that has been knocking and waiting and beating down that door now finds the strength to burst out because guess what there is no one to stop you this person is not going to allow you to lose your job lose your reputation with any customer they are less threatening they are have they have no impact on you in a certain way so you unleash the beast unleash the beast that you could not that you could contain for your boss or your customer or whoever but you could you could not contain it for this person because guess what? If I, it's a targeting thing. And I'm sure in your mind you will pick up on it because yes, he will not um, do this or he has no choice but to listen to me argue and vent. So he does it. So you do it. You unleash that anger and you cuss and you cuss and you cuss and you cuss. And it seemed as if the anger was like, like when that person receives that offloading that you've been doing, the person then wonders, what exactly is this? It's coming like a long time the person here wants something. I wonder how long the person here have it on them chest. You see when you do that now, you give people a lot of ideas because they're thinking where this come from. This is a minor thing compared to how you're acting now. But guess what? They're not going to say anything to you because guess what? They are either a chill person or they're in the wrong because of what they did. But it is not justified how you handled the situation. And because they're targets, they have no effect on you. But if they should respond, it's going to put them in a bad situation. So... That's how displacement continues because now you've offloaded onto them and you know, you've got, you've gotten your kicks off. 
you feel a bit better now but still you wish you could have said that to your boss however you redirected that towards someone else and then that person now it depends on the person that they are because this is how the line of displacement can stop if that person realizes or is capable of being mindful of what displacement is or realizes that in general this is not called for there must be something else that is bothering you or somebody that irritated you before so they come at it with a very understanding mindset and say okay you're upset at something i can get that i am not going to further this by arguing with you because i realize i am not the intended target that's a big person and that it takes a lot to be that big person now on the flip side that child now being the oldest sibling turns it at their younger or turns it around on their friends whoever they can get away with that's what it's basically doing displacement people to be real honest with you is just picking somebody that you can get away with being mean to that's it point blank in general that's that that is that is it basically i'm not gonna say um as i said i'm not a professional psychologist or clinical technician however i do have credits in psychology and i do my adequate research this is a topic that i love so i do pay keen attention to it and there's a certain opening of mine that takes you to a different realm in understanding what really is going on so displacement people is just i know that i can argue to my younger cousin and tell him about him parts when him do something stupid and you do that on a regular basis but when somebody else upsets you that you're not able to go off on you now take that to another level and you try to poke you try to release all of that it's as if you were already irritated or over a loss or something and someone handed you a gun and you just shoot you just shoot the person who actually gave you the gun the person is not trying to do anything to you they've made a mistake or they've your way or you're just annoyed and they're the first well they're the second person you can grab because the first person if you should say something to them it's not gonna end well for you uh i think i've experienced a few of this a few of these defense mechanisms i've actually done displacement before i've i've engaged in it and i'm not happy to say it but you know i can be the bigger person to realize when i've done wrong by someone i think i've done it to my brother when i was much younger however getting all that before i even knew about displacement i tried to ensure that i didn't allow my emotions to affect how i responded to people I've done it in relationships and I've also done it towards 
like friends people i've had the chance to work with so yeah i've done it before and i'm not proud and sometimes you don't realize because you're just you and you're in person and sometimes things get the best of you because you have people out there that you wish you could have said something to or eventually you get to a point where you can talk to them i think one of the ways how we can address displacement is basically being honest with the person uh it does make sense that you kill yourself or you go to a job every day that someone treats you like shit i think you are begging to have like displacement issues as well as other issues every day you're messing up your own mental health because you're continuing in that toxic environment i think you should try your best to work and get out of that if it's starting your own business or applying to somewhere else you are not stuck you are not stuck that's a good way to deal with displacement because oftentimes it's because people have hurt us time and time again and it continues that is why we keep redirecting hurt to other people that don't deserve it really because they've just done something minor or they've just been the easiest person to grab and i've experienced this and i've done this and trust me growing up and having probably about 15 stepmoms totaling i would think honestly i don't i can't count them on a hand really but trust me displacement is something you experience a lot when you have step parents because oftentimes your parent is in the wrong or does something that irritates them and you get the brunt of it because you're a child and you're an easy victim so trust me i know there and i've even experienced it with people who i've been in a relationship with where there are certain things and people that have irritated them and you come around them now just talking in general and it irritates them because they're already on edge and you get the rest of it so the best way to stop it is to either get out of that environment or just to try and be understanding of the person that's, that's displaying it when they're more subdued or calm you go to them and you say hey i don't think what was going on was right and i'm not trying to argue with you however i think probably something upset you before and you took that out on me which was not fair and if they're a reasonable person they will reason that, that out with you and you can get to a point where there's some resolution however if there it's not everyone that you can talk to and we know that in that in this Jamaican society and in general with dealing with people not everyone is able to reason on a certain level or to keep that level of understanding where they can admit to what they've done wrong yeah so that's displacement 101 people that's a lot to take in i want to give you that time to take in but also we have four others to discuss uh so a moment of silence to understand and really you know to say hey 
I know what you're going through. It's a, it's a pain in the ass to deal with somebody you don't want to deal with. And even worse, if it's someone that oftentimes you wish was better towards you. So trust me, a moment of silence for you that's in that process where you are being dished that every day. My heart goes out to your mental health. And I hope you'll find a way to deal with that, you know? If you guys think there's other means and ways of productively dealing with this, I think you should definitely voice your opinions. Send me a message. uh, Or, yeah, send me a message and I'll definitely listen. You know, I post this. I post this on Twitter, Instagram. WhatsApp, all of those have the options for audio or text message, even if it's an emoji. I just want to hear your feedback on this because it is something that we experience and do. So, as I said, a moment of silence for those suffering or being dished displacement. So, you know, redirected, giving you that moment now. Next on our list is sublimation. Sublimation. What does that sound like to you? Sublimation. Well, when I first heard of this, I was like, what? Well, okay. This one, this one, trust me, it's direct to me. It's direct. Amanda Clark. Amanda Clark has been there. Like displacement, yes, we've experienced that. But like sublimation... I am still doing that. And so let me tell you what that is. Sublimation is redirecting socially unacceptable impulses or idealizations into socially acceptable actions or behaviors. So it's basically something that in its raw form It's not acceptable socially for you to behave this way. However, if you transform that or redirect that in a socially acceptable way, then it's deemed as something good. And this is one of the coping mechanisms slash defense mechanisms that you can get, get away with. And it's actually one of the healthy ones until it becomes until it goes to a point where it gets unhealthy. So kudos to people who do this. And I've done this and continue to. Until I've gra- I feel I've reached a stage where probably I'm at level 3. Into graduating from the overall socially unacceptable behavior. So what that is now. For me, I'll give an example to properly I'll assist you in understanding what sublimation really is. So, growing up, I I was just a bookworm, a host rat, and an aggressive person. I didn't know where, at the time, I didn't know where this aggression came from. However, as I said, doing psychology now and learning more about myself 
as I grew, as I grow, uh, it definitely, you find out what, what these reasons were. However, at the time I was very angry. I was very angry growing, growing up. And a lot of that anger was directed towards my mother, my father, my stepmoms. And you know, it was redirected, meaning I displaced that anger in school sometimes. If I was a quiet person, well, I still am sometimes, depending on the social nature of, it depends on where you are, then you can say I'm quiet. I was often described as quiet, and if you ask some of my friends now, I am naturally that person who is just very quiet and nothing seems to bother me. However, in high school, people have tested my patience and there was an incident where I had to go to the dean's office, the grade 8 dean's office at that time, because I had been caught up in an incident with a student. It wasn't anything extremely big i was not somebody to pick fights or to fight people at school so you would never see my name being called up in that book however what had happened was this student has a water bottle issue she has a bag the size of a suitcase i don't know why at that time in eight grade you were doing about 13 subjects however there were people that were able to properly manage based on the fact that we were given a timetable. It's not like primary school nowadays where they try to turn children into a mule by telling them to bring every goddamn book to school. Yeah, it's really annoying to see. However, in high school, you're given a timetable and you see the subjects that you're doing on a particular day. And you pack your bag based on that. I don't know if she thought, well, she is an extra brilliant student. I don't know if she do extra extracurricular activities where she read a lot or she carry. Or she had means necessary to buy every single textbook for every single subject. Her bag was always bigger than everybody else. She did not do any sports. So there were not any clothes in her bag. It was books. And her problematic water bottle that always seemed to be extremely big and melted and i don't know if there was a crack but water was always on the floor near her her name started with her last name and well started with b so you know we're, we see in alphabetical order mine is c i sat directly behind her i had warned her a few times like your water bottle is messing up the place whatever if i am a bookworm you do not in any circumstance try to bother yeah at the time i was a bookworm and if there's one thing you do not want to trouble for me it is my books this girl after I told her that day, I think your water bottle has a crack or something is melting in it and the water is going to be a problem. 
in high school, sometimes how you leave your bag in the class, it's not how it's normally viewed when you come back. It's somewhere else. Because sometimes, you know, a lot of things happen in classes. They shift around the chairs and they do what they're doing. They dance, they engage each other in many different ways. And that is understanding. Nothing went missing. Nothing did ever go missing. So there wasn't any bother with the fact that my bag was moved. However, I came back to the classroom and saw that my bag was on the floor, drenched in water. That, what that, what that came from this girl's backpack, this girl's water bottle, water bottle. <laughs> and honestly, it was uncalled for. And maybe this was a part of displacement. However, I took up her bag, I opened it, and I emptied her books out on the floor in the water because several once the bag is wet let me just say it plain once the bag wet the bottom of the books like three quarter not three quarters sorry half of the book is wet because it's water it's it absorbs the liquid and the bag itself surrounding area is wet so she basically made my books mushy and i didn't i wasn't happy with that so i emptied her bag onto the floor i took up my bag and i left hers i don't know who told her or where she was at the time i think she was close by and she was saying um she's going to tell this and that or she's going to do this and that and i said do what you have to do I really don't care and at the time she was coming to be confrontational and trust me I I was willing I was willing to do any well not anything I was I was going to hit her I didn't care I was I was just angry and some of you might think of it as that small though or that minor that's not really angry angry because i've been to school and i've fought and nah i am not a fighting person so this was out far out anyways she told the dean and i said okay i put on my backpack because i didn't want any revenge getting my books put on my backpack got went to the dean's office i was just there and then when the dean saw me walking she was like Amanda is you? Oh no, Amanda. Mm -mm. This is not Amanda I know. Because as I said, I, along with being a bookworm, you get to be a teacher's pet. And I was a teacher's pet for many teachers. Because I, I love learning and I engage and I always talk in class. I'm the quiet person because I don't, regarding socialization outside of that, I talk to probably a group of people, a small group of people, or I just don't engage in certain boisterous activities. So I was known as the quiet person and calm as well because people, you'd have tormentors and you'd have other people and we all got along in some way. So 
I wasn't faced by certain things. However, sometimes it got to a point. Uh, she saw me and she was saying, no, man, Amanda, this is not you. Normally, a student would have gotten suspended or some detention for that. I didn't because she told the girl to get out of the office and we spoke one-on-one and based on her assessment, she advised me to speak with the guidance counselor. I cannot honestly tell you what I told her at that point because I don't even remember. But I know at that time I was going through some stuff in my head and I had a lot of pent up anger. It always seemed as if I was I was fine or nothing bothered me, but everything does eventually. And it just built up over time. So yeah, that happened. And you know, went to the guidance council. With all respects to her, but I really don't like guidance counselors guidance counselors that mix religion with psychology. I hate it. That's my honest opinion. I think religion is something in in itself and it's something that should never be mixed with anything else. It's just like politics. It's something that people feel it's a sensitive matter and to each his own. I was not a religious person. I was grown up with religious backgrounds, but I was not a religious person and I didn't feel as if God had anything to do with my anger. So I was just upset that she wanted that. And probably after a few weeks of seeing her, I stopped. She saw me sometimes on the campus and said, Amanda, what's going on? You haven't come to see me. And I said, I'll come by next week and whatever. And sometimes she would lay with me. But you know, you dodge those situations. But like her style of counseling irritated me and she was trying to dig deep. She almost got under my skin. However, the religion aspect allowed me to harden and shy away from her. Anyways, so that means the anger went unaddressed. And what I discovered, before going into high school, I had that anger also. And I had discovered the love of football. Football was a sport that I could play with aggressive boys, only boys in my community. Because at that time where I live in Seaview, the girls weren't focused on playing sports. They were more focused on playing with boys and giving away their virginity at that age. And I enjoyed playing football straight up until this very ripe age. Uh, Like football, I just played that. I honestly started playing because I could kick people. I could kick people and hurt them without it being socially unacceptable. That is where the definition comes in for sublimation. It's like I wanted to hurt people because I was angry. Because I was hurting. 
there was something inside me that was very angry and I was very angry because as I said a lot of things and what happens when you're angry is if you're not able to express that anger you hold it you hold it in until you can and football was a way of me releasing that anger so this is how you see some of the uh, defense mechanisms being a bit intertwined because me relieving that anger into football is a sort of displacement but because I'm not directing it to any particular individual it was very broad and because it was just something inside of me that was not acceptable at all it became acceptable because I was playing football football is not a sport where you see somebody get kicked and they drop and somebody say oh my god what what, where did that for where did that for you see you as a wicked person this and that no they fall and they say good tackle or they say uh boy she rough or fall and that was it you just get your fall and you move on and you kick them with somebody else or you like trust me they used to just call me wild the boys used to be afraid to come in contact with me there were two times that they were afraid the first time i started playing football because i was a girl they thought that i would be soft and you know they didn't want to hurt me but as as time went along and as i relieved or released my anger onto them they realized that this is something they need to avenge they need to dish me the same dirt that i was dishing them and in that they started tackling me hard and i loved it i thrived on that i the amount of chip scrape drop down rule that i allowed to happen and that i experienced was some of the best times i remember once playing football and one of the boys well not boys was a big man at the time pushed me like your shoulder like like lean and mm, and pushed me and i fell onto my side scraping off my skin and i literally got up and i kept running he was dragging me back and said you're good so yeah play the game i'll play the game and at that time i was more seasoned into like being fouled and also falling people so football was a way that i could kick grab push everything that felt wrong with what was going on in my head at the time or in my body I was able to redirect it in that sport. On a natural basis, you can't hurt people like that. So that's where the socially unacceptable aspect of sublimation comes in. However, when you put it or turn it into a sport, someone who loves to hit people because they're angry or because they're sad starts doing boxing, it's no big deal. Somebody who gets into UFC because of uh, wanting to defend their family 
on a regular basis or smoothly like anger as you can see i'm giving you a lot of examples where anger comes in however anger is like an anchor for some of the emotions it's like it streams down to anchor anger so it starts at as hurt and because you're not able to express that hurt or because you are hurt you're angry because that builds up you continue being you continue being hurt so you get fed up of it and it takes you to a, to a stage where you start resenting people presenting certain situations and circumstances and you get angry so you do these activities to get rid of that to unleash that so now that was that was my act of sublimation and football it was that at first just for anger until I actually started watching the sport because my father did not like me playing it because as I said it was only boys in the community that I would be able to play with so imagine 10 boys playing with one girl oftentimes probably two of those boys were my cousins and it wasn't all the time they were able to play so sometimes you know as adults I think now you know a girl playing with so many boys the idea is that, you know, they will take advantage of her or whatever. But I was never that girl. I was never that girl. I was always, I was a different type. I am a different type. And that was what they didn't know, what they didn't understand. And I was able to manage myself. But I understand the precaution. But regardless, I got beaten up until the seventh grade for playing football. I think up until probably the ninth grade, because I was beaten every day I played football. Every day they they would catch me playing football. Most of the times, my stepmothers would snitch me out because my dad wasn't there until late in the night, so he wouldn't have known. On weekends, I would sneak away and play football, and he would come up the lane and see me playing. Sometimes he wouldn't say anything, and as soon as I reach home, I get the beating, or he calls me off the field, and I get the beating in the lane, and when I'm upstairs. So, you know, it was a combination, and I, I just didn't care, because I was so angry at the world, and I was so angry at many things, and this was my therapy. I didn't know it at the time, but it made me feel good. So when I got beaten for that, I was like, I didn't do anything wrong, but you know, you went out, went ahead with it and you played the same way. Holy Child would discontinue their, their football program the year I graduated. And the year I graduated, Almonton Primary to go to Holy Child. So when I was in the seventh grade, I was ready at the opportunity to play football. However, it was discontinued and I missed out on that passion. However, I've found other means and ways. And if you see my Instagram, I've coached a football team before. And I've also been a part of a football team. And I've done a petition for a female football team and got through with it. So those were pluses in my book. And in 
football is always a passion for me. There is no, there is no other way to say it. I may have not been able to deal with certain elements of myself if it wasn't for football. It plays a huge role in my life because it was just a means of therapy. Then it became a love of the game. And now it's just blossomed into a good relationship. So now it's just for tactics and stuff. Before it was just for hurting people. And I've graduated. That's why I say I think I'm at a level three regarding sublimation because I've learned other means of coping. And dancing has always been one as well. So trust me, you'll find ways, creative ways to handle certain things. And sublimation is not all that bad. It's just when you keep doing it because you're angry and you keep trying to hurt people however if it still has you in that cycle trying to hurt people then definitely it's a case where you just need to handle that head-on instead of trying to redirect it to something else but if you're doing that and it pays you money at the same time like with boxing or football then kudos to you because you're getting paid and getting angry at the same time but you can just get paid instead of angry think about it so yeah that was sublimation guys and next we touch on the other three in our list but first i'm just gonna allow you to get a break i know that you've been listening for a while um let me take a break and let me get a message to you, okay? Thank you. Okay, thank you so much for staying with me. Uh, we're almost done in going through or DMs. As you should be able to understand that's defense mechanisms by now on this juncture we move on to projection projection is something I'm sure a lot of people a lot of people have heard in the media and you know sometimes you'll be watching a show and you'll hear them throw that term around and projection is simple a process of displacing one's feelings onto a different person animal or object so it's like i have a crush on someone however <laughs> i'm in a relationship so you can understand how it's not healthy to have a crush on somebody and you're in a relationship so you now feel guilty about that and you wish to engage with that person but you're you know you're saying uh, can't do that but if your partner comes home and say, yeah, you know, um, there's this person at work that keeps bothering them and they think they're like, oh, so you like them too. Hmm? Hmm? You completely throw your feelings onto that person. So it's like you're cheating or you're having thoughts of cheating and then you accuse the person of doing that. And simply, it's just all in your head. It could be a case where it's real. 
but projection when we are speaking solely on projection it's basically your unwanted feelings being directed towards something or someone else so you have thoughts of cheating so you start feeling guilty and then assume your partner does the same and you start you know arguing with them over some things that are hypothetical or that has never happened and you get to a point where you're very unreasonable but really and truly you just need to be true to yourself i don't think there's a lot of time we need to spend on projection because it's straight to the point and some men do this as well men do so say for instance i don't know if they're troubled with their masculinity or they feel as if they're not masculine enough or they need to prove that they're this big macho man that when they see men other men that are comfortable with their masculinity and they're so comfortable that whichever way they express themselves they know deep down that they are a man and they understand what it means to be a man even if they should for the sake of entertainment act like a woman or even you know display certain qualities that we would stereotypically think to be feminine or wear like a pink shirt once upon a time used to be an issue or pink pants or whatever be the case they're comfortable in their own skin but because you are unsure of your masculinity or you feel you need to prove something you they redirect that and you say you know that person you don't know if them funny or you don't know if them strange even if you know you still say those things because guess what you're not sure about yourself so you project that onto somebody else you feel insecure you feel ugly so you project that onto somebody else oh she not look good whatever that ear that could have the better on something 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 whatever you find other ways and means of putting some that feeling onto somebody else and it's mean cuz a lot of haters do this folks so if you find yourself doing this don't don't be like that don't be like them it doesn't make sense hating doesn't pay unless you're the one being hated because they will follow you just to hate you and that is the psychology of it next we have two big ones repression repression is the unconscious blocking of unpleasant emotions impulses memories and thoughts from your conscious mind so why is it unconscious if it's something that's being repressed well sometimes we can get into very very traumatic situations that or mind the best way it can protect us is to help us forget and it's not really forget forgetting because that trauma never goes away it's just that it's stored deep 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 down you are unable to see it but people can see it based on actions that you do or you can pick up on it 
that there's something bothering you but you don't know what it is and until you sit down and have a self-talk with yourself and try even go through therapy and try to bring that up people have repressed emotions that were subdued and they were able to rediscover that and find out what happened sometimes like in drastic cases these are people who have experienced people being murdered people who have been raped and abused in certain ways and they because of how traumatic the situation is their mind blocks it so someone is being raped and their head is not in it at all they've blocked it out and it's something that they don't remember un- until there is something that drags that memory and then everything comes flooding back that's not a situation that has been dealt with it's just been repressed put in the back locked up thrown in a well deep down somewhere that the person doesn't have to deal with it so it then becomes something you continue your life until you start noticing a problem because those things fester repression festers everything that i've talked about these things fester because it has to do with your mental health and anything that you put down festers into something else it's like hiding a dead body in your house eventually it will start smelling and you need to deal with that i know it's a pretty drastic example but you get the point don't you so that is repression and a lot of people try to manage and maintain that because they're not focused on it and when they eventually give time to it it's something that takes a lot of time and healing and attention to sort out it's it's like at the top level on the type of defense mechanisms especially in traumatic situations the one next to that is disassociation however we will not be touching on disassociation this week and yeah it's a pretty heavy one guys that's why the tone has changed trust me repression is something deep and wow it's a lot to deal with so (laughs) it seems as if the wind has picked up on the heavy heated topic and it's providing a lot of wind now to subdue or and calm what exactly is going on here so it's pretty soothing to feel that wind on your skin when we are talking about something as heavy as repression what i wish to touch on next may just get a bit touchy with me i don't know about you guys however it may just get a bit touchy intellectualization intellectualization let me just repeat it one more time it's almost if something wonderful you know intellectual what's that you know like intelligence smart brilliance 
Yes, it is a part of that. But it's not what it means. Reasoning is used to block confrontation with an unconscious conflict and its associated emotional stress. So unconscious in a way, some of these things have to do here. Subconscious, because you push it to the back, it's similar to repression, however, it's very short term. So intellectualization would be the best example I have is in the process where my grandma passed at first like when you heard the news well when I first went to see her I I was saddened uh, a lot of family members were were you know elated because they were saying that she seemed as if she was she she was flinching she was flinching all right Ugh. okay she was in the hospital at Spalding. We went to see her. And at that time, I saw that her situation had gotten worse in my head because a tube was in her mouth. So that means she was being assisted with breathing. A tube was in her hand for insulin, of course. You know, you have to keep certain nutrients in the body and she had on her pampers and I could smell it it smelled that she had passed feces but I don't, the nurses were sitting down I don't know if she had recently done it but she had passed feces on herself and I stood there beside her and I held her hand and she was twitching. It seems her eyes were twitching and I don't know if she could hear. I, you heard murmurs. However, based on my, I wouldn't say research, but it comes under the term of research because I watch a lot of videos and read up a lot of information regarding the human body stages in the process of death in the process of being unconscious be in the process of being a, in a coma so when there's twitching it's just the body going through natural um, impulses however it's uncontrolled because the person is not conscious to control that um, nerve or that action so the twitching it's it's just an impulse that the brain sends out and it's a signal and you know there's a sign that the brain is communicating with the rest of her body however it's not a clear sign of what level and if she is fully functional it's not a sure point way to know and the murmurs you know when someone is passing on you people especially people in the dead care system they will know that the body moans and groans even after death and it's not a case where the person is coming back to life 
is just the release of certain gases and certain brain activity that causes those murmurs. It seemed as if to my aunt, to my cousin, she was saying something. However, to me, it felt as if she wasn't really there. I don't know. And the following week after that visit, after that visit, I was so torn up because I was like, whoa, she's at this state. And honestly, I should have. I wish I had seen her before she reached that state. However, I, I went to see her anyways because I wanted to be there. I begged. Um, pleaded with a nurse to change her pampas. And they attended to her. The following week, I got a call before I went, before I even got out of bed really to go to work. And I fell to the floor. This is not where intellectualization comes in. I fell to the floor and I started bawling. I couldn't do anything else but bawl. I called my stepmother at the time and I told her and I couldn't keep my composure. I told her to the mere fact for her to tell my dad. And I just, the call, okay, who informed me was my mother. She called me and said, Manda, how are you? And stuff like that. And then she said, Auntie Phyllis. And then I said, what happened? And she said, she left us last night. And then that's where everything came tumbling down. But after that release, I, I cried for about three, three hours. I didn't go to work that day, obviously. I stayed in bed and there was someone there by my side. Anyways, after that pouring out, there were certain other moments where I was sad. However, now we were in the stage of planning a funeral funeral, and, you know, planning a funeral, it's a lot. And my mother had a huge part to play in that. However, she needed help with certain things. So at times I was viewing the clothes that she would be wearing, the casket that she would be in, having discussions regarding the burial site, the program, what we do, and the overall set list of everything. And it was very daunting. And what was even worse was that the funeral could not have been held until in September. She died July and was buried in September because my mom was overseas at the time. And she had recently taken a vacation to come to Jamaica some months before that. So she could not have gone back within that same period even though it was a bereavement situation so september was the time frame 
and it was especially hard on my brother, my big brother. However, he, I think he's a person that deals with emotion differently. He's very, I think he represses a lot or he handles in his own time. So he had lost his other grandma just months before. And now the harsh news that he was going to be burying his other grandmother. And I can't imagine how he feels on a daily basis because I, I don't even know. I always imagine, like, I always thought and wondered, like, in my head, like, what would I do if my grandmothers were to pass? And I always said to myself, I don't know how I can live because these were the women that raised me. This was one of them now that was being laid to rest. And they are my mothers. They are my mothers because my mother did not grow with me. So I'm more accustomed to them, my grandmothers, than my own biological mother. And Aunt Phyllis was everything. Aunt Phyllis was my rock. She was the person that knew me exactly. I am not the type of person to wear skirts. I'm not the type of person to wear dresses. And she was okay with that. She understood me. She, she loved me unconditionally. She accepted me for who I was. And when my mother was being introduced to me after many years, getting to know her, there were certain things in her character that were a bit more forceful. However, I've forgiven her now, and we have a semi-good relationship. Uh, she was always there for me to defend me and say, hey, can I leave her in a man? So she stay. And I say, work with Wanda. She forget time to get used to you. And then she has to take a liking to you. Don't force it. Everything with me has been organic. If I have a connection with a person, it's been very organic. And the same applies for my mother, even though she is my mother. We didn't grow together. So we have to build that relationship. And it's like any other relationship that I've built in the past. It has to come gradually. If it comes automatic, then that's a good connection. But with her, it took me some time because of her personality and because of mine being a total opposite of each other. And Aunt Phyllis was the great buffer between that of allowing her to understand. And she was that one person that truly understood me. She has, she's the only person, I believe, that has ever truly understood the person that I am, even before I knew myself. And she taught me so much. She does not, she did not deserve to be hurt in the way she was or to die how she died. 
However, in life, we don't get to choose that. And I miss her dearly. Every year on her death anniversary, on her birthday. And I do have reminders of her on my body. Yes, I love tattoos. They are great symbolisms for me. And I've dedicated a part of my body to her. And that's just me. She meant a lot to me and still do, still does. There's nothing that would change that. She's always with me. And I miss her. Intellectualization is basically when you get caught up in the planning aspect. In the sense of her funeral, you get caught up in the planning or you bottle, you drown yourself in the planning in order not to face the emotion of what really is happening around you. What really is happening is you're burying a loved one that you love so much, that you've spent so much time with memories, everything. You've invested and that person has been invested in you and now you are faced to see the morality of that person because they are now dead and they're no more. You can't talk to them. You can't reach out to them ever again. And they're going to be putting... And most of the times when intellectualization is broken down is when you realize, when you wake up, when you are taken out of that water, that you've drowned yourself in, which is the planning aspect, and you now realize what is actually happening around you, that's when you feel it the most, and that's when it hits really hard. It's like, it's like driving at 180 kilometers and being in a head-on collision. You were driving steadily, on that 180 and then wham automatically you are stopped in your tracks you crash that is exactly what it is a crash you are standing there while you see the person being lowered into the ground trust me you are now that veil that was put over your eyes or over your head is now diminished is gone and you see that person going down and what you, what are you going to do about that? Oh my God. That is the most painful thing to see and experience. And when you see that, the veil goes away and you are faced to crash because you did not handle it directly. So, even though there was a spill of emotions when you first heard, you've now frozen yourself in this emotionless state because you're focused on other aspects that will not allow you to be emotional because it allows you to be busy. You like to be busy. And a lot of people did that during the time of COVID as well because before COVID, they were able to be busy. They did not spend time to know themselves or to understand what, what was happening in their lives 
and an emotional or mental perspective. And when COVID came, that was a crash. The veil had been removed and you were forced to stay in with yourself or with the person that you had acquainted yourself with, with your family, and you were faced with that reality. And you had to deal with it. Because you never dealt with certain things head on, look at how many men, look at what happened during COVID, how many people had mental breakdowns, how many people killed spouses, how many people were annoyed at spouses because they had to stay in with them, annoyed at family life, and some some were on the flip side that were they were able to find and learn more about their loved ones those kudos to them but some people were were waiting and itching and they anticipated the release of that um covid regulation and they were glad to be out again and busy some of us tend to be busy in our lives to focus on other things than to assist in our own self-development and intellectualization has taught me a lot and it has taught me to try and deal with things directly not in all cases it will be the best especially if it has another person on that end however it is best to handle things directly in an appropriate manner and trust me a lot of people get caught up in intellectualization because of what it is exactly it's just a distraction it's a distraction that's what exactly is it is however whether it's a distraction that allows you to get stuff done it is a distraction from your emotions you are technically suppressing this emotion you're putting this aside to deal with what is going on right now and you're blocking that so <laughs> it's a double-edged story right? and trust me dealing with that is never something easy thank you so much for listening to us going over some of the dms uh as i said this is only a part one there are so much other juicy dms to cover and we will cover them next week however in this episode we did get a lot off and you know talking to you guys it's such uh great therapy and i hope it's something for you as well as i said don't be afraid to give your feedback it's a safe space and i'm willing to share my journey i'm willing to share my emotional mental uh, angry confused journey with you because it's a way that we can bring awareness when you talk more about something it's easier for us to deal with it as a society because it's something that we are not aware of or we are discussing in the space.
if you don't talk about it then there's a stigma that surrounds mental health and that burdens our society and burdens the people within it because they don't know who to turn to because we're not the best type of people that express ourselves because as Jamaicans we've always been individuals who have this stigma towards or mentally ill and our idea of therapy like what is that for is something wrong with you it something doesn't have to be nothing has to be wrong with you to go through therapy people do that just so they can understand themselves and create a space where they can deal with certain things when and if that arises so it was a great discussion today and trust me I feel much better talking to you guys I I love sharing the space with you and I hope you do enjoy your this would be posted on a Monday but I do hope you enjoy your Sunday dinner uh, and enjoy your week you know life is not as simple as it seems and sometimes it can be breezy really nice until something stirs you up and sometimes it's it's good it's always good not sometimes it's always good to know what causes you to behave a certain way because then you can control it and when you can control something there's no one that has control over you or there's no emotion that has control over you because you understand what is going on And that's what we're trying to do here. So, it's been a great uh, discussion. And I will continue these as long as I may. I, I have air in my lungs, a voice, and means to communicate. I will continue doing this for us to gain more traction and awareness. I respect you all and I hope that whatever it is you are doing in your life I understand that dealing with people has a certain difficult realm to it and I hope you overcome whatever it is you are facing at this time I hope you are able to achieve what it is you wish to achieve by making small steps or even big jumps and leaps to defeat the tyranny of poverty and to defeat the tyranny of negative people continue being a wonderful person and if you're not a wonderful person strive to be the best you that you can possibly be because you can't be anybody else you can definitely change your life but you will still be you so if you wish to redefine yourself then do as you please do not believe that you're stuck because nothing is permanent in this life not even this life itself believe yourself and this is not a message for you only but it's also a message for myself so i hope and i wish all of you all the best and thank you so much for listening people people i'll be out this is amanda clark i hope you enjoyed listening and Thank you so much. I appreciate you. And 
Wagod.